This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we're going to try this again. My apologies to those we didn't get to on the lines. Uh, Just some technical glitches as we're operating from home on the home front for the first time in this uh, ordeal and uh, perhaps for the foreseeable future. However, hopefully we'll get across the hurdle, not just technically speaking, but uh, in terms of this devastation that's caused by the ravages of the virus. As we know, it's a two-headed hydra we want to crush. And uh, needless to say, the government's stepping up to the plate in no small measure, but uh, is it adequate? That's the question. When it comes to small business, that's obviously a consideration. When the Canadian Federation of Independent Business came out with a recent report saying a third of Canadian small businesses are not going to survive the month. And uh, that's an arresting statistic. Someone who represents on small business is Jocelyn Bamford, the president and founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. And she joins us here on The Oakley Show at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Jocelyn, how are you hanging in? Oh, my goodness. I'm, I expect I'm like everybody. Uh, I feel like my head is going to explode. I have a constant headache. And wine is my friend. So <laughs> we're all kind of in the same boat trying to go through these muddy waters. But, you know, the one thing I, I want to um, get off my chest is we have said that there was going to be a ta- catastrophic event from having manufacturing being driven out by bad policy. And what is that bad policy, that bad policy? policy was the green energy plan that made us pay four times the electricity rate, uh, carbon tax, you know, um, death by a thousand cuts everywhere. And and we had warned that this was going to be a, a bad conclusion when you move all your manufacturing offshore. And now we're in a situation where we don't have enough medical companies, we don't have enough ventilators, we don't have enough uh, PPE either for industry, which we're quickly running out and we need PPE to produce and and worse the hospitals um are are in a crunch for PPE gowns masks gloves and and this was a situation that um uh, you know, could have been avoidable if we had kept our manufacturing on our shore. And it should be something that we need to address, but quick in this country. Well, I don't, Justin, I don't disagree with that assessment, but the, in the more immediate concern and more pressing is, of course, uh, what you're going to do to keep the wolf from the door and keep your business up and running, as well as employees uh, maintaining their jobs. Now, the government's announcement of the emergency response benefit today I mean, do you have any quibbles? Is it adequate? Is there something that they could have done maybe in a more aggressive way? Yeah, so so here's my concerns on that, and the devil's always in the details. You know, I, I, it's great that people that have lost their job have some money because they, they so desperately need it, and I know that a lot of manufacturers have, have shut their doors either because the head office has deemed that's what is appropriate or because they didn't have they didn't know what to do. So, you know, if somebody was sick, they, they may be overreacted, and, and, and there's several suppliers that have shut down their plants, or they can't get parts um, and people pieces in the supply chain, so they shut down their parts. So I'm glad that people, you know, there's, I had had people, a hairdresser come to me last week and said, you know, she didn't have any money and um, her, the hairdressing salon had closed and, and was looking, you know, for, for some direction. So I'm glad that people get their money, but there's, but there's challenges with, with this because there's supply chain that needs to keep open. Like we need to keep our supply chain going. We need to keep groceries on the grocery shelves. And, and if, if you um, if if and then in this plan it proposes two thousand dollars and it's up to sixteen weeks. 
So and so the the criteria I I understand is if you have somebody sick. But what happens if you get better? Do you still choose to stay off those 16 weeks? And in a and in an area where it's hard to get labor, could this in effect um, the unintended consequences of the program not being clear enough is could um, could manufacturing come to a grinding halt because people will choose the 16 weeks off? Um, instead of coming to work, and what are the consequences of that? So I'm just kind of throwing up the flag there that that may be a situation that comes down, and then we're into a real trouble of not only um, having... All right, but hang on. Well, this is the thing. That addresses the illness component, but Mm -hmm. as to the economic viability of a company, I wanted to focus on that because you're, after all, the president and founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about... uh, like EI for employees, that 10% isn't going to cut it. We know where European countries like the UK and Belgium are talking about 75, 80% as a top up. Uh, right. Do you think that they should be more aggressive on the EI component to keep people in the pipeline and employed? And I get it. But I mean, if there are no orders, then there's no point in keeping the manufacturing lines going. But uh, maybe there should be a facility. Like in the States, they're just talking about paying people what they were getting, even if they're sitting on the sidelines. Would you advocate for that? There's a hefty price tag affixed to that, but does that make sense? It, 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 so the issue with that is if you're going to give people money, then give people money but allow them to, to, to go to work because what happens, John, is if you give people money to sit in the sidelines, they will sit in the sidelines, and then everything comes to a grinding halt. We need to try and keep the economy going while we're dealing with this, with this terrible situation. If we just allow the, the whole thing to come to a grinding halt, how are you going to get your groceries? How are you going to – we've got critical things in the medical supply chain. How are you going to get that out? You need to encourage people to come to work. You have to keep them safe. Um, if they get sick, you have to look after them. If they lose their job, they have to get look after them. But but we also have to have some incentive to keep um, to keep things going here, or else everything comes to a grinding halt, and that that'll be well, catastrophic as well. Here's a, a for instance uh, the restaurant business. We know that that's just been blindsided by this. And restaurants are down unless it's takeout or delivery. What about disruption insurance? Uh, And this is where the insurers pay fully and the payroll uh, is backed by the government or the bank. And those are great out-of-the-box thinking that, especially for um, restaurants or places that have had no choice um, but to close, those those businesses and those people need to be looked after so that, one, the business will still be there after this shutdown is over and that the people will still have jobs to go back to because the recovery aspect of this is going to be critical as well. Well, it is, and uh, which we don't want to beggar the economy because we need to get, you know, hit the ground running. Here's another proposal. Uh, interest-free conditional grants. You know, there are loans. As long as the employer doesn't let people go, maintains them, that loan effectively becomes a grant. Good idea or not? I would agree that that's a, a good idea, especially for those companies that are, are forced to close um, their doors because they either don't have supply or they've been mandated to, to close. Um, and those that is a, a situation where um, we need to make sure that, again, those jobs are somewhere they can return and that company is going to open again so we can start getting 
get moving again um, when when this is over. But but the other thing that we really need to the concerning thing to me is um, that you know we need to we have a, a demand for uh, PPE for our hospitals, and how do we, in a quick way, marshal those resources uh, to, to do that? And it and it seems like on the uh, uh, that we're not moving quickly enough. And my concern is we're not moving fast enough to get uh, those people that can make those services and have the ability to make gowns, masks, and respirators um, to get those in a, in a fast enough time frame to have some appreciable effect on, on the outcome of this disease and, and people in hospitals. Because, you know, we've, people have put up their hands and said, yeah, we can do stuff, but it's moving at a snail's pace to make that transition and, and give them the specs that they need and how many they need and get them moving. Well, whose fault is that? Let me, excuse me, but whose fault is that? I mean, here you are, you're the president and founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. I would think under your aegis there, uh, you're representing on thousands and thousands of these companies that could produce some of these materials. And, uh, you know, it's like a war measure uh, that needs to be put into place if we're on a war footing. And I think we've got to wrap our heads around that. Are you telling me that some of your companies have not been approached by the officials that uh, can churn this stuff out? Yep. So they've put their names forward. They've been contacted, but they haven't started. They haven't been given the green light. And it just seems like it's moving at the pace of government and not at the pace of a wartime measure or or um, business. And so from a federal government standpoint, you know, they need to put somebody that's in the military that's used to making critical decisions, moving fast, um, uh, uh, logistics. This is all uh, a type of war measures activity and they need to put somebody that can champion these resources but quick because we don't have six months we have 21 days and so um we need to get moving on this and we're it's at times a wasting when you say 21 days uh why do you say 21 days well i'm just based on looking at uh what happened in italy and what happened in spain and the trajectory of cases and when you look at that, from the time that they really start reporting cases to the time that it's a red alert, it seems like it's around 21 days. So I don't know what we're doing differently that's going to prevent um, that fast trajectory that you saw when you look at Spain and when you look at – and I'm no expert. I'm just looking – I'm looking at it like everybody else, looking at the caseload every day that happened in Italy and looking at the caseload that happened in Spain. And I'm worried because I don't think we have enough – of the resources that we need, and I don't think we're moving in a fast enough time frame to get them. Let me ask you about that then. Uh, if we've got an idled workforce and uh, factories, you know, maybe closing and people may actually be falling into delinquency here, uh, in, in the States, it's a big, big argument or discussion right now. Uh, Larry Kudlow, the point man for the uh, economic recovery, I guess, from, uh, from Donald Trump's administration, says public health includes economic health. Uh, and they placed a deadline on it, a 15-day window. They want to see people back, let's say, right after Easter and, you know, suggested because it could be long-term consequences to people being unemployed or losing their jobs and so on and so forth. That's why he said public health includes economic health. Uh, would you like to see a deadline for returning? Um, I'd hate to be the one that had to make that call, John, but I feel like because I've, I feel like we are so 
um, in the in the medical field. Like we already had hallway medicine before this. How are we ever going to um, deal with this? But on the same time, I think that we're going to face uh, businesses that will never recover from this. Um, so, so it 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 is a decision that is uh, fraught with danger on all sides. But but um, in the in the immediate term, we need to to crank up those businesses that have put up their hand and said, I can make gowns, I can make masks, I can do this. We need to move with alacrity to make that happen because um, if that's going to make um, the the recovery even longer if we keep having to keep people home because we're afraid that if we let people out and they get sick, we won't be able to treat them because we don't have enough resources to do that. Yeah, it's a multi-pronged approach, and I appreciate what you say with the personal protective equipment, especially for frontline workers who have been clamoring for this now for uh, a couple of weeks anyway. Insofar as their own health is being compromised, I think there's close to two dozen frontline workers who have been infected in the province of Ontario. Jocelyn, I'll let you go on that note. I'm sure we're going to talk again before too long. I wish you the best, and to all those members that you represent, and uh, hopefully they can endure. And we and we all uh, encourage everybody to stay safe and stay keep your six uh, six feet apart. Fair enough. That's what okay, we're doing. We're, we're doing our part here. Good to talk to you as always, Jocelyn Bamford, president and founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 